Time for Money Matters, the last one of the week. Shane Oliver, uh, Chief Economist with AMP, joins me. Uh, happy Friday, Shane. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? It certainly has been, Luke, and happy Friday to you too. All right. Well, we were looking uh, forward to yesterday's job employment figures, and, uh, well, it seems to me that the unemployment rates remain pretty steady at 4.9, but that is despite, Shane Oliver, 22,000 full-time jobs being lost in May. How do you explain this? Well, well, it's a problem in Australia. Uh, what had happened there was... Uh, uh, we had virtually flat overall employment. I think there was something like 481 jobs created in January. Uh, the problem is in Australia, you need something like 32,000 jobs every month just to keep up with new entrants to the workforce flowing from the record population growth we're seeing at present. Now, obviously, employment was well below that. And so as a result, the unemployment rate has just ticked over the 4% level. It's now 4.1% up from 3.9%. So that's the highest level in two years. Uh, so on the one hand, you could say, well, these numbers are still low, but they are going in the wrong direction. Uh, the unemployment is on the rise. The low was back in October 2022 at 3.4%. We're now at 4.1%. Even underemployment is rising. That's where people have a job but want to work more hours. Yeah. So bottom line is the jobs market is cooling down. Uh, we are not creating enough jobs for the number of uh, population growth. Uh, and I suspect that with job vacancies declining, and we heard that from SEEK, the employment agency in the last week, uh, as that occurs and less hiring from companies, we're going to see unemployment rise further from here. The thing I thought was interesting that uh, the seasonally adjusted figures showed 7,800 jobs were created overall, but Shane Oliver, most of them were part-time. Yeah, uh, it, it's sort of messy numbers in there. I, I think the ABS has a confusing way of reporting these things. If you look at the um, the trend numbers they show, yes, there was modest jobs growth. But if you look at these so-called seasonally adjusted numbers, uh, there wasn't much jobs growth. Um, and the, the trend in recent times, uh, it, it was favourable going back a while ago, more full-time jobs. But lately, we're seeing more of a trend towards part-time jobs. And I suspect that that might be uh, companies switching some people from full-time into part-time uh, just to keep them on the books and not lose the workers because there has been that shortage of workers over the last couple of years um, but they don't have the same amount of demand so they're trying to cut back on hours worked and you know, yeah. boosting part-time part-time employment does that i get a lot of calls from my listeners saying that they're really frustrated with the taxation system at the moment because they say there's no incentive to have a crack you might have your full-time job, but you want to get ahead. You want to try and save up for your deposit or your stamp duty or or, or to, to pay some bills or to go on a holiday. So you, you, you really have a crack. You work two jobs. Uh, it, may, it might even be working three jobs. And the, more, the harder you work, the more you get taxed. They reckon there's no incentive. Is that correct? Well, it is a problem. And this is the issue with the revamped Stage 3 tax cuts uh, a few weeks back, you know, yeah, fair enough. Um, more Australians got tax cuts, but that bracket creep issue is the big one here. When people do work more jobs or they get ahead or their wages just keeps up with inflation, yeah. you find yourself going through a new tax bracket and, and an increasing amount of your income gets uh, gets off in tax. And that is a disincentive. Uh, yes. it, it, it's a discouragement to working harder. Um, yep. And in you know, worst case scenarios, it could be creating a bit of a brain drain. I mean, you can relocate to Singapore and get 
get a 30% tax rate. Um, whereas in Australia, if you're if you're uh, if you're much above, um, or obviously go above 135,000, you'll now be paying 37 cents of the dollar. Yep. Or if you go all the way up to um, uh, to 190,000 with the new scales, you'll be paying 45 cents in the dollar. So yeah, where's the incentive? Where is the incentive to have a crack to try and get ahead? It's just not worth it for a lot of people. Very quickly, uh, very very quickly. This is interesting. Uh, the latest national schools data, it shows that parents are increasingly opting for private schools. It's amazing how many parents are taking their kids out of public education and choosing private education. Now, with interest rates where they are, the cost of living where it is, th- th- these figures kind of amaze me. What about you? Look, they amaze me too. Um, and the numbers are actually quite significant, uh, the growth in people in public schools is close to zero, whereas private schools are up 2.5% over the last year. So that's where all the growth is. Obviously, we've got population growth, and that, that pushes the, the overall numbers up. Um, but, uh, yeah, people are taking their money away from the public. It's amazing. People from the public school system and putting them in the private I schools. Wonder, well, I would have thought, yeah. I would have thought, Luke, that in an environment of high interest rates and cost of living pressures, that, uh, you know, that, that would slow down, but it hasn't. And obviously, it reflects a desire on the part of parents to get the best education they possibly can for their kids. Uh, and and uh, that's why they're continuing to do this. Where are they finding the money? Where are they finding the money? Uh, what it t- says to me is maybe, I mean, if you're willing to struggle, put yourself in the poverty line and work three or four jobs to try and send your child to a private school, it's, it's telling me that maybe they're not satisfied with the standard of public education. I don't know. I think that's a big issue here, that the public school standards have gone down to some degree. And, and they course, think they're getting better education? They're getting in the private, you know, I don't know what it is precisely, but yeah, you're right. A lot of people do struggle to do this. They're not all rich people sending their kids to private schools. No, a lot there's of them not. Are, are ordinary wage earners uh, working extra hours or going without other things. That's yeah. right. And there's, there's a lot of backlash from the public saying, well, why do the private schools get so much uh, government money? Well, not everyone who goes to a private school is really rich. And just remember those people who are rich are paying extra tax. So, look, it's, it's a debate for another day. Have a great weekend, Shane Oliver. What are you doing? Well, depends on the weather. Lately, the weather in Sydney has been a bit you, Yeah, you've got no idea. Certainly today. So if, if, the, if the sun comes out, I might try and get out of my little boat go and on go your, for a swim. Yeah, and, try uh, not, and try not to fall in, okay? I will. I certainly will. Especially with your keys. Your wallet, your phone. I mean, that... that yeah, I don't want to do that one. It's a nightmare. That must be a nightmare. <laughs> Shane Oliver, have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday. Thanks, Luke. Take Sh- care. Shane Oliver, Chief Economist with AMP. Uh, it's been an interesting week.